Hello and welcome to another episode of Riding Unicorns, the podcast that celebrates high growth businesses and the people behind them. Today, we're delighted to have Lucas London, co-founder at Lick Home. Lick Home is a home decor brand that is really disrupting the space. Thanks very much for coming on, Lucas. Thanks, James. Really appreciate uh, the invite. Super. So, Lucas, can you please tell me a bit about your career to date and how you ended up founding Lick Home? Yeah, sure. So I started my career in finance. I spent five years in the UK equity hedge funds. There I learned what an investable public company needs to look like. And since then, I've spent the last six, seven years in high growth tech businesses of different degrees of success, but learning a lot along the way. The last role was VP of International at a business called Airtasker, which is an Australian marketplace with fine cleaners and handymen and gardeners. I was there uh, as the GM of the UK, so I built the UK business and it was really an amazing experience because I had full autonomy because of the time difference. So got to have my own little startup, but also was exposed to a larger tech organization. Uh, I became VP of International and, and started to scale that business. But after two years and, and uh, 350 hours on a plane, it was, it was time to leave. And we had the idea to start Lick with my co-founder who, who I worked with at Airtasker. Great. And so with Lick Home, what's the big vision that you've got? Yeah, so I think when we started looking at Lick, what we became really aware of was that you had this online community of people that were really passionate about home decor and design and DIY. And it's quite a unique community. It's, it's very kind. Everyone is keen to share and very supportive. It's young, it's growing, it's engaged. But the actual product purchase was happening offline and it was tending to be quite a frustrating experience. Consumers were going into hardware stores. Uh, no brand really resonated with them. The choice was challenging. Uh, people were really struggling to identify what color or what sort of perfect color for their walls was. And uh, predominantly just the industry wasn't online and no one was incentivized to really solve that pain point. So we thought if we could create a brand that resonated with the target demographic, if we could really support the decorator and give confidence to the decorator to decorate and simplify the product range, then we could bring what is an enormous industry online. So we wanted to create a home decor brand. So, you know, not a paint D2C business, but a, a brand that sits kind of in that post-construction pre-furniture space. But we were keen to start with the paint because we knew it was the color that was the challenging decision for people and that the color actually influenced a lot of the other decisions you made around the home. Yeah. So how did you go from that idea to then selling product? Uh, what was the process from idea to first sale? And do you know who bought the first pot of paint? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. I mean, it wasn't actually... Well, it's been a lot of work, but it wasn't that long ago um, that we, we had the idea. We've only been doing this for around a year. Uh, we decided to start with a pre-seed round. We wanted to raise you know, quite a relatively large round because for us to solve this, these pain points, we need to invest in multiple areas. So make sure the brand resonated, make sure the product range was you know, really high spec and simplified and the user experience was solved online. So we raised 850,000 pounds as a pre-seed uh, from really well-known entrepreneurs, founders of sort of Kazoo and Love Film and uh, a number of partners from a number of VCs. 
and set about setting up the business to launch. And we actually launched in March on the day of lockdown, which was a very interesting time to launch a business, but a very good distraction to have. And um, we've been charging since then. And, you know, it's been a really unique, really unique market to launch the brand in. Uh, but, you know, in many ways, uh, there's dynamics in the market that have given us a lot of tailwind. And we raised our seed round, three million led by Felix last year and continue to grow uh, throughout the year. In terms of actually who bought the first um, pot of paint, someone who was very kind and very supportive and I guess very brave, uh, but I, <laughs> I'll need to find out who that is. I actually think it was my um, partner's wife's parents that bought the first, which is pretty textbook, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you've mentioned brand a couple of times. I mean, Lick's brand is very aesthetically pleasing. Um, what's the key to building a great brand and how did you guys go about it? And what experience did you guys have already in terms of building brands that you think helped you get Lick off to such a good start with its branding? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think the truth is it, it, it wasn't our experience that was that was relevant. It was actually in many ways that both Sam and I were really passionate about the startup community and, and high growth businesses. So we did a huge amount of work in terms of understanding what made different brands and in particular, a lot of D2C brands, what made them successful and unique. And what we found that was really key was taking inspiration from businesses like Glossier, who'd done a great job in building really strong communities and putting the individual consumer at the front of their brand. And we felt that was extremely important in our sector because, you know, the, the market that we were entering was mostly pictures of very beautiful, mostly unattainable, uh, unrealistic to most properties uh, that were these sort of perfect images and very little about the people behind those homes. And we wanted to really champion the person, their home, their project, and, and basically the decorator. Uh, and that was that was our aim from from the start. And you know, with lockdown, we were even forced into doing that because you know, branding shoots stopped. So we were massively relying on on user generated content. And and that's what's been um, really the most successful element of our brand building that community. In terms of actually. The, the foundations of the brand, we worked with an agency called Two Times Elliot and worked with a digital agency called Neverbland, who set out the kind of foundations for that brand. We worked closely with them to do that. And we hired very early Emily, who was head of brand at Spoke and was delivering before that to sort of guide our brand. And has since worked with great people from sort of Sondra and Tell on the tone of voice. Uh, so it's been, you know, a lot of work, but I think our focus has always been that individual decorator. Yeah, so you mentioned some hiring there. How big is the team now and what other key hires have you made and who would do you wish you'd hired earlier? <laughs> yeah, we, so we're, we sit about 22 people now, uh, which is quite a large team for a business that's only six, seven months old. But we're hiring again because our growth's been, our growth curve's been so steep. We've made some fantastic hires. Uh, Saul is head of operations from Cedars. Um, and he's been fantastic uh, addition to the team. We hired a head of people pretty early. So Marina Gorey joined us. Uh, she was head of people at Seed Camp. And before that, she was 
co-founder and CPO of uh, a business called Super Awesome. And she's been a real, uh, she's been a fantastic addition to the team. It's been a really important hire for us because we weren't just scaling aggressively, but we were scaling in a really challenging market where our team members weren't able to meet each other and it was mostly remote. So we really wanted to over-index that hire. And Marina came with you know, a huge amount of experience having seen that business all the way to exit, um, which was a great win. Uh, and we've, it's been really important to bring people that have extremely um, strong experience, but are entrepreneurial and, you know, in sort of startup speak can get their hands dirty. And, and people like Monica, who was ex-Netaporter, ex-ASOS, who's running products, and now Noella, who's joined as a lead designer from Moo.com, have been really key hires for us. Yeah, interestingly, in the US, they generally hire a head, sort of in-house head of talent much earlier than we do in the UK. But you guys have got that right essentially as sort of a good learning that hiring is very very time consuming and what a lot of founders end up doing is kind of outsourcing it to recruitment agencies and then having a bit of a bad experience and then holding on to it even tighter as a as a job to do and that can often slow down the growth rate of the business going forwards. I think when I joined Airtasker I was probably a bit naive into the importance of that role in terms of that function in the business of people ops. I worked alongside uh, someone called Mahesh, who was very talented, who was ex-Canva as well, and, and, and he was you know, one of the most important people in that business. And I really understood and learned the importance of that function. Uh, and as you know, uh, execution is, is, is everything, and the people are everything. So you know, unless you hire the, the best talent and, and, and they work and incentivize and they have ownership and visibility of their work, uh, it's, it's, it's all going to fall down. So we definitely made that a huge priority. And you mentioned at the beginning that you're not just a D2C paint brand, but you're a home decor brand and there's plenty of blue sky for you guys to grow into. Um, so what's next for Lick? And have you started to think about how you decide what products to launch next? And how does that process work for you guys? Yeah, I think that that D2C point is really interesting because I think especially in sort of the investment community and startup community, it's labeled as kind of a D2C or not D2C, um, and D2C is put in kind of one big sector, and, and there's lots of skepticism on that. And there's been some industries where that's clearly been an issue. But I mean, really what, what the issue is, is companies that don't differentiate from competitors and rely on paying channels that are basically auctions. Uh, so for us, it was really important to make sure we were multi-vertical from day one, make sure that our brand was, was a key differentiator, that our community was extremely supportive. But the truth is, building a modern business now uh, is online first, and you should have a direct relationship with the customer. But whether you should be solely D2C is, is, a, is a question mark. We've launched on made.com recently. It's a great partner for us. There are, you know, it can be, they, we hope that they'll be a, a key channel for us. And there's some great synergies between the brands and the user behavior. We know that people that are decorating uh, are also purchasing furniture and vice versa. So there's no reason why we should be sort of only focusing on that direct relationship. In terms of the future products, we launched originally with paint, with wallpaper, and then the supplies you need to decorate, and then launched with Blinge two weeks ago, and it's been a great launch so far. Uh, we'll be launching exterior paint early next year. Um, we'll be launching a new range of wallpaper and some collaborations with some really exciting designers. 
Uh, that's kind of our product roadmap for now. But, you know, the decorating sector has really interesting areas that could be anything from flooring, uh, such as tiles, uh, to ironmongery. So we're focused, we've got our heads down and focused on growing the, the sectors that we're in now, but there's definitely a huge opportunity to go into other areas of the home. Yeah. And you said you raised money pre-launch. So how did you go about that? Was it speaking to people you previously worked with or cold outreach? How did you go about raising your first round? So, yeah, it was our focus that, that uh, we wanted to use venture capital to scale and, and for our seed that Angels was the most likely route to go through. And I guess because I started my career in finance, every time I joined a startup, they, um, the team would tend to get me involved in fundraising um, because I was sort of the textbook finance person in the room. Uh, so in the last sort of 10 years, I've been building a, a strong network of investors that I've been working with or alongside with the knowledge that at some point there's a good chance that I was going to start my own business because I was kind of very entrepreneurial from day one. So I had a, a strong network to go to and work with some um, really good introducers as well that uh, connected us with a few really strong angels uh, that helped us with the rounds. And initially it was challenging. I mean, we were a pre-seed round. We were raising off an investment deck. We'd got no traction and we were going for quite a large amount of money uh, relatively in, in the sort of UK market. But uh, we, we got lucky with Alex Chesterman and Simon Franks really believing in uh, the project. And once they were on board, we worked hard and got a number of others to follow and managed to close the rounds pretty quickly soon after they committed. And how much has the vision adapted or changed since that first round? Has it always been this big home decor brand or was it, was it just kind of like, we're, we're going to launch this product and then as you worked with more investors, you realized that you could go for a bigger vision. How, how's that kind of adapted over time? Really interested at the beginning of exploring a service and a product combined. So we were really excited by the fact that from some of the experience that we'd seen at Airtask, the consumers that were looking for a service were also buying a product. So buy a paint and find a decorator or buy a shed and find a builder. And thought if we could uh, combine the product and service together, we could upsell the service without any incremental marketing spend. And that was a really interesting idea and businesses like Boxed in the border space are doing that really well. Uh, and that kind of led us onto the idea of a decorating brand. But as we started to you know, research the business and start to develop the idea, we became very apparent that the consumer element and building a brand and the product was actually the biggest problem to solve given how large the market was and how small the online market was. So we dropped the server side and really started focusing on building a consumer brand. Yeah. And who came up with the name? Because it's so great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I wish I came up with the name. Not just did I not come up with the name, when my co-founder came up with it and suggested Lick, I actually vetoed the name. Um, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't like it to begin with. The truth is, is when we started developing the logo and started to bring kind of maturity into the name, uh, it became, it all became clear for me how powerful it could be without that sort of, you know, without the font that we went for, the kind of mature uh, font, 
I was not the biggest fan of the name, but I was extremely wrong because it was, it's definitely one of our uh, strongest assets. And, uh, but it was definitely uh, Sam Bradley, my co-founder, who was the, who, who had the idea. Yeah. It'd be interesting to understand what kind of metrics do you guys optimize towards? Is it just orders and uh, basket size or are there other metrics that you're targeting? And how do you guys measure like lifetime value and customer acquisition costs and things like that? So our business is unique in the sense that the majority of our customers are buying samples first. So you're first acquiring a customer to purchase a sample and then optimizing your user journey to convert that customer to being a decorating customer. And when we first launched, it was challenging because we didn't have the data to understand the cohort behavior of those customers. So now we're sort of six or seven months in, we can now optimize for not just that customer acquisition, but also that conversion from sample to customer which is an extremely important metric for the business. So you've, you've raised money from great angels and from top VCs. What's the most valuable thing they've provided beyond capital? Yeah, so that's a good question. We've actually had a, a network of angels and, and VCs that have been extremely supportive of the business. And a lot of our investors are entrepreneurs like Simon Franks and Alex who have been really, really useful to speak to. So we've now got Jamjar invested in, and uh, they're great to sense check. We work with Richard on the brand, and Felix are extremely supportive, and, and their understanding of, of scale through their portfolio of consumer brands is extremely powerful. So, so we get a huge amount of value from all of our investors, but it's definitely on the founder to reach out and to use your investors. Yeah, so you worked with Sam before starting Lick. How important is it that you guys know each other and know how each other operate as a founding team? It's 100% the most important factor, to be honest. I was extremely lucky with Sam. Our skill set complements each other. He's probably one of the nicest and happiest people you can meet, which is extremely helpful to have it in what is a, you know, a really challenging journey. But having a co-founder that you can trust, that you can work really well with, where you can support each other, where your skills complement each other, is, is huge. And actually, there's no way I would do it uh, without Sam or on my own, uh, because it is, just a, it is a huge piece of work and a huge commitment. And it also takes you know, a lot of self-confidence, which is extremely challenging. So having someone that also believes alongside you that you can sense check ideas, that can pick you up when you're down and vice versa, it's a great resource and, and I've been extremely lucky with that. And I think because we worked together before, we already learned a lot about each other and that transition to working together was an easy one. Um, well, Lucas, thank you so much for spending time with us and telling us your riding unicorn story. Uh, just from a personal angle, I think it's amazing that we have a company like Lick that is really taking on a large sector and it's coming out of the UK and that's really, really exciting. Um, so thank you so much for coming on and telling us a bit about your story. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much for, for having me on the show. Another great episode. And if you're doing any home decoration at the moment, definitely go and check out Lick Home and see what they're doing as they've got lots of great products. Our next episode is going to be with Natasha from Lockdown Liquor, a great story about someone starting a high growth business during a lockdown.
So look out for that one next time. Thanks for listening to Riding Unicorns.